0: You ever play the game uh, Two Truths and a Lie? As a youth pastor, I played it very often. Uh, two Truths and a Lie is where you say three statements. Out of those three statements, one of them is not true. The other ones are, are true. Get it? Two Truths and a Lie, huh? Um, so, hey, let's play it really quick with me. I'll, I'll give you three statements about myself and you, whether you're, whether you're by yourself, whether you're with a significant other, your family. Discuss it really quick to see which one is a lie. Um, and we'll see if you get it right so maybe a couple um here's two truths and a lie uh figure out which one's the lie disney world is one of my favorite places to go i like bruno mars and godfather is one of my favorite movies It's good. take some time um okay hopefully you've discussed all right the lie is godfather is one of my favorite movies it is not one of my favorite movies in fact i've never seen the godfather and some of you are probably like what? I just never... I want to. I know I'm going to like it. I just haven't gotten around to it. It's not screaming anywhere. So unless someone has a DVD they want to borrow me, then I, I'm not going to see it for a while. I, I want to see it, okay? Um, here's Here's this Do one more. Um, three statements, two truths, and a lie. I collect vinyl and comic books. Pancakes are my favorite breakfast food. And Maryland is the only state I've ever lived in. Discuss. I'm going to give you another three, two, one. Okay. Um, the lie there is pancakes are my favorite breakfast food. Um, they are not because I don't even like pancakes that much. They're fine, but they're so overrated and I don't care if you disagree with me. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. I'll take waffles over it any day. French toast for sure. I'll take over it any day. Um, crepes. I'll take crepes over every, any day. I mean, in like, so those French twists. I was before this pandemic, I was getting crepes at least once a week from French twists. Yeah, I'll take any of those over pancakes. Pancakes are boring. Yeah, I know you can put blueberries in it, but you can do that with waffles and french toast and anything else. So it's, get, get those out of there. I don't, I don't want... Pancakes are fine at best. Okay, that, that's how the game works. Two truths and a lie. Today in this series, we're talking about things that the Bible doesn't actually say. Things that people believe the Bible says, but when you look deeper, the Bible actually never says it, or we misunderstand it, or we're not truly applying it correctly. And today, the statement that uh, a lot of people believe uh, that the Bible didn't actually, actually say is God helps those who help themselves. Some of you may have said it. Some of you may, may believe it. God helps those who help themselves, but it's not found in the Bible anywhere. But uh, Bible BibleGateway.com, they actually did a poll, and they found out that 80% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves, that that is found in the Bible, but it's simply not. So where does that saying come from? Here's where that saying comes from. A bunch of different places where we kind of see it uh, initially. Um, it was a moral taught in Aesop's Fables. So if you know that, um, it's a moral taught there. There's a variation of it that appears in the Quran. Okay, But where it really, really popularized, especially for America and specifically for America, is uh, Benjamin Franklin wrote God Helps Those Who Helps Themselves in Poor Richard's Almanac in 1757. So most likely that's where a lot of us have gotten that from. It's kind of branched from there. God helps those who helps themselves. And that saying is kind of like two truths and a lie. It's kind of the same idea, because in that saying, we can find truth. There are different aspects of that we can find truth. In fact, I think there's two truths that we can find from that. But ultimately, that saying, and this saying, God helps those who helps themselves, that saying is ultimately just, it's not true. It's not in, Bi- in the Bible. And when we believe it, it can actually be dangerous. So, what are the truths that we can find in this statement? Here's the first truth that we have to do: we have to do. So, we cannot sit idly by and assume that God is going to do everything for us. Today's quarantine really been um, trying to do a good amount of carry out. Uh, my wife and I love going out to eat because we hate doing dishes. So. Um, we love going out to eat. Before this pandemic, like we were probably going out I don't know, four times a week. But too much. It's too much for sure. Uh, and we've ob- obviously slowed it down. But we just like it. We like going out to eat. We like sitting down in a restaurant. We like not having to worry about the dishes. Whatever. Um, and there are a couple of places that are like my go-to, especially when it comes to certain food. My favorite Mexican restaurant is called r Tacarillo. It's right um, in Jessup. And it's, and it was on Triple D, Diner Drives and Dives. And if you ever go... The hiracha a la Mexicana, that's that's where it's at, that's great. You don't need any more than that. You're gonna be deceived, you're gonna think you need a taco with it, you don't. That hiracha, just one of those is enough, it's delicious. I highly recommend you doing that. Um, My favorite crab cakes is a place called Cocos. It's in Balmer City, it's on the other side of Balmer City. Um, It's the best crab cake I've had it, and I've been going around trying to find them, okay? My brother, myself, and a couple of friends, we try to find the best one. Get out of here with G&M's. It's, it's good, but it's not the best, okay? It's, it's a tourist trap. Get out of here with, with Jimmy's Famous Seafood. I like it. I do think it's very good crab cake, but Coco's is easily the best one. It's expensive. You're going to pay like 30 bucks for just a crab cake, but man, you don't need any more than that crab cake. That is delicious. Highly recommend you go there. If you're looking for crab cakes, um, trust me, I'm a Baltimore guy. Um, and then I also love one of my favorite desserts is a pie place called Dangerously Delicious Pies, Okay. They have a Baltimore bomb pie. It's made of burger cookies, which is a Baltimore thing. Um, and man, that pie—it's 2,000 calories, but I'm sure. But it's delicious. It's so good. Anyways, those are my go-to's when it comes to food. If if I I can get any of those at any time. If I have R for lunch, if I get uh, crab cake, cocos for for dinner, and I finish with a Baltimore bomb pie for dessert. Oh man, that is a super unhealthy and delicious lunch it's a day of eating. It's it's great. But let's say I wake up one day, and I want to have that day of R&R, Cocos, and Dangerous Delicious. What if I just sit there, and I wake up, and I pray to God, God, in your sovereign will, I pray that you bring to me the food that I love. Dear God, I just pray that your will will be done when it comes to my food today. In your son's name, amen. And then I just expect it to show up. That'd be ridiculous right that's silly right of course I have to get it in my car go to the go to the places and pick it up I have to pay for it I have to do something in order for that to happen of course we do that you, you're listening like that's a dumb illustration but we do it a lot where we think God's just going to do it for us because we prayed about it listen if you want to go closer to God you can't just pray about it you got to read your script read read your word join a group serve you're, you need to do something, and as you do it, you will grow closer to God. If you want to find a job, you can't just pray about it. You got to pray about it, and then you got to put your resume out there. You got to go to interviews. You got to work some bad jobs so that you can get to a better level. That's what you have to do. You have to go to school. You have to get some education. That's what you have to do if you want a certain job. You can't just pray about it expect God to show up. If you want to find a significant other, if you want to find your spouse, you can't just pray about it. you got to pray about it, then you got to put yourself out there. you got to find those people. If you want to have kids, you can't just pray about it. You have to. You get the point? <laughs> okay, I don't have to necessarily explain that one. But we have, there's times we have to do. We are called to work hard. God calls to do that. We are called to not be lazy. You can read a lot of proverbs talk about do not be lazy with your work. We have to do in order for many things to happen. In fact, here's how Paul wrote it. I um, mean, he was writing to a church in Thessalonica and about this very issue. That church was full of people that were just expecting God to just do it for them. And here's how Paul writes it in First Thessalonians chapter three, starting in verse ten. For even when you were with when we were with you, we gave you this rule: the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and destructive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. I like verse 12 where it says, and in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, get off your butt and do something about it. There's times where we have to do, and I would even take it a step further. There are times where our faith cause us to respond to what we see. Our faith in who we believe and in the hope that is offered through Jesus Christ causes us to respond to when injustice is happening in this world. I mean, we have seen that this past week, right? A lot of us are still trying to figure out the best way that we can help and the best thing that we can do when it comes to this entire situation. Our faith causes us to respond to things we've seen. Our faith causes us to show the value of every human life. And when we see a group of people who are not being valued enough, we stand up for them. We say, you know what, that is not right, and I'm going to do something about that group, whether it's African-American community, whatever it is. When we see that, we call it out. And we saw the videos, and we've seen, all the, we've seen the, the protests. When you see that, we call that out. Our faith calls us to do that. But our faith also calls us to, to support police officers. Police have a hard job, a job that honestly they do not get paid enough for. And I believe that they deserve a better system that not only protects them better, but also holds them accountable more so that when we find those people that are hurting other groups of people specifically, that we can get them out as fast as possible. Our faith calls us to do that. Our faith calls us to celebrate when people see something wrong and they make action by going and peacefully protesting. Our faith, we should celebrate that. But our faith should also push us to call out when we see people taking advantage of a time period where we are vulnerable and angry and sad and don't know what to do and they take advantage of it by vandalizing by destruction by destroying by burning by by hurting innocent people our faith calls us to say that is also wrong now an impact we we rarely talk about political issues because we know that there are people in all different aspects that come to impact you not have to be a republican a democrat or whatever you we know that there's a variety of people that come so we try to avoid it but here's what one thing i do want to point out if I, out of any of those four things you started to get mad because i'm talking about politics then i'm worried you're serving the wrong master it's just what i said when we see a group of people that are not being treated the right way which we're seeing that We call that out. We also need to protect our police officers. We should all agree on that. We also need to celebrate when people stand up for what they believe in. And we also need to call out when people are using violence or hurting other people. If that is political to you, then I'm scared that you are not serving the right master. This is a time where all of us can listen to people that are different than us. Some of us can't listen because we're too busy telling other people to listen. Like we need to listen right now. Listen to the presence of God and see where what our faith calls us to do, the action that we are called to do. Sometimes the action that we're called to do is to shut up and listen to other people so that we can start to understand them better and we can start to look at ourselves and think, what can I do to make this world better? What things can I change, can I grow in to make this world better? That's what we're called to do. Our faith leads us to action. I believe that we should pray like it's only dependent on God, but move and work like it's only dependent on us. We should do that. We are called to do. So when we say God helps those who help themselves, the idea that we have to do something is, is true. That's part of the truth. We're, not also, we're also called to do something else rather than do. The other truth that we can find in this, in this saying is we are also called to help. We are called to help. Not only will our faith lead us to do, it's also going to lead us to help. To help those that are in need. To help those that don't have. To give up what we have to help those that don't. And the idea that God helps those who help themselves can lead us to helping other people. It's what it can do. Here's how James says it. I love this. And James, who's the, the half-brother of Jesus, he says this in chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We are called to help. In one sense, we have a responsibility to do and we have a responsibility to help. What starts to happen is when we get this idea and we look at life through the lens of God helps those who help themselves, we start to do that, then when we see people that need help, we can start to look at them incorrectly that's what we can do. I know for me personally, it's what I can do. I mean, maybe you'll see somebody that is asking for money on the side of the road that is homeless, that needs help, that is struggling. And if you have this idea that God helps those who help themselves, then wouldn't you then start to think, well, they need help because they aren't helping themselves enough. I know I've had those thoughts. I see someone on the side of the road and like, well, I wonder what, why they're there wonder what decisions led them there. I, I wonder what they're going to do if I give them money. What's going to happen? And God, over the years, have, has convicted me to push that mindset. And the reason why I think that, and the reason some of you will think that, like, well, if I give money, what are they going to do with it? Even though God just simply calls us to help those that are the orphans and the widows and the poor and the sick. The reason why we think that sometimes is because we have that lens of God helps those who help themselves. So if they need help, they're not helping themselves enough. See, Jesus helped the sick and the poor without any strings attached. He went at a time period when they believed that if you were sick, you were cursed by the gods. Jesus loved and went and hung out with the sick, no matter what it meant for him, no matter what risk it gave him. He didn't say, well, why are you in this situation? Why are you poor? What what happened? No, he helped the poor simply because they needed help. We are called to help. Don't allow... This belief that God helps those who help themselves to make you cynical and jaded to the needs around us. As a follower of Jesus, we are called to help. And you know what? I want to brag on you. Because we are a church and you are a church that makes a difference. We say it constantly. We're a church that makes a difference. That we all want to be difference makers. And you are a church that does that. I'm not going to, all this stuff I'm about to say, I'm not saying it to, to pat ourselves on the back or pat myself on the back. I'm not. I'm applauding you because you have seen what God has called us to do. And you've said, that's, I'm going to do that. And as a church, we are able to help a lot of people. And I truly believe we are a church that makes a difference. Something I've heard that I'm, ex- I'm glad every time I hear it, but I also get depressed every time I hear it. Um, I've heard a lot of people say to me, like, I just, I noticed you, you guys do a lot of stuff. Like, You guys help a lot. And in my head, I'm like, I don't think we do. I just know that God calls us to do it and we help where we can. But the fact that we, looks like we help a lot because a lot of churches don't do anything is depressing to me. You have to, my wife doesn't have to thank me for feeding our kids. They need to eat, so I feed them. God calls us to help those that are in need. And as a church, of course, that's what we do. And here's some things that you do. Um, we started a giving fun. Right when this COVID-19 started happening, we got locked down and people started losing jobs, we started giving fun. And we, re- we really only promoted that for like two weeks. We didn't promote it that much, right? Um, it's still available. You can still give to that. Um, you can go to our website, vectorhmd.com, and you can f- go to our Give tab and just select Giving fund. You can still give to that. We only promoted for two weeks. We got over 1200 bucks pretty much right away. And because of that, because of you giving... We've been able to help families who have lost their jobs simply because of a lockdown. We've been able to help our community in, with needs because of you giving. You are difference makers. You're making a difference. Before we even were meeting as a church, we were helping with Be More Caring, which is an organization that helps with the homeless community in Baltimore City. The first thing we did as a church, we started helping the homeless community. And the third Tuesday of every single month, we go down there, we bring food, we partner with a Seton Hill Community Church in Elkridge and we, take them food, we give them clothes, we give them what we need, and we build relationships with the homeless community. We've been doing it for over three years. You have been doing it for over three years. You've donated to it. A lot of you have gone out and served at it. Third Tuesday every month, we've been doing that. Um, We've also been helping since this pandemic. We've been helping the homeschool club. We met, um, her name is Patricia, and she's an elderly woman who tutors um, kids that need extra help but can't afford tutors. Um, they have, they're most, they're all low income. They have, they need help with groceries and she's been providing groceries since, um, this pandemic has started every single Friday. We drop off food to her to give to those families. We've never met the families. We give it to her and she drops it off. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, she told me that if we were not doing that, she would not be giving groceries anymore. Could not do it. But because of you, because you have made a difference, we are helping families in need. And then we help with a Pop-Up Food Pantry. We're going to be doing it, done it three times now. And we're going to be doing it every Saturday, at least through June. And because of your donations, because of those that have signed up, and you can still sign up for that, um, we have been able to help families that are in need solely because of a crisis and because of a lockdown. I want to applaud you. You are difference makers. We are called to help. And you as a church understand this. God helps those who help themselves. It leads us at times to do, and it leads us at times to help. Those are some of the truths. But ultimately, this idea that God helps those who help themselves, this idea is a lie. It's just not true. Let me, let me illustrate it to you this way, and I saw this before. Um, you've seen a version of this before, I'm sure. I've talked about a mountain illustration, but here's what a lot of us think when it comes to our faith and I'm sure you've seen this as well but if not it's be new to you. Um, So for a lot of us here's how we feel we should be. We're here. God's up here and we think God helps those who help themselves. So I need to do what I can to get all the way up here to God. What steps do I need to take to get closer to God? Maybe I'm not being blessed enough because I I do not read my Bible enough. And because I'm not a good enough Christian, I don't go to church enough. So you think, what are the things that I need to do so I can get closer to God? A lot of us tend to think that. We don't even know we think it; we just subconsciously think that. This is not the message of the gospel. This is God helps those who help themselves, says you need to take the steps in order to get closer to God. This is not the gospel. The gospel is this. God came to us. That he didn't make us take steps closer to him but he saw our need he saw the gap he saw that bridge that needed to be built so he sent his son jesus to show us the perfect way to live so that we can have a relationship and a union with our heavenly father that it's not about what we do it's about who he is that he came to our level to save us exactly where we were here's how paul says it in romans chapter 5 paul says it this way, starting verse 6 you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man some, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated His own love for us in this: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The saying, "God helps those who help themselves," it's not biblical. It's not accurate, and it's the complete opposite message of the gospel. Yes, we are called to do. Yes, we are called to help. But that doesn't mean that God helps those who help themselves. Here's the message of the gospel. God helps those who can't help themselves. That's the gospel. And God helps those who can't help themselves. That is what grace is. Grace is saying that when You weren't good enough. When you messed up, when you hurt someone, when you hurt yourself, when you acted selfishly, when you acted in a way that is the complete opposite characteristic of who God is, when you did that, God came for you. At your worst moments in life, God said, I love you so much, I'm still going to die for you. You see, God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your past. He knows your future. He knows what you're going through now. He knows the times that you have acted selfishly and sinfully. He knows all of it. Yet, with all that he knows about who you are, and what you've done, he still chose to die for you. That's what God. The gospel is. God helps those who can't help themselves. Now, as I started to give that illustration. And I started talking about the gospel. A lot of you have heard that before, right? You've heard the illustration. You've heard me talk about the mountain illustration. You've heard the idea of grace in the gospel. And some of you started to check out. I know, I know it because I've I've heard it so many times. And some of you even started to get bored and the okay, When is this going to end? When's Frank going to do his closing song? When are we going to be able to be done with this so I can do my Sunday? Some of you start to check out because you've heard the idea and the message of the gospel so many times. But here's why I think some of us check out when we start talking too much about the gospel and grace, things that you've heard before. Because deep down, you have this idea. And I have this idea that God helps those who help themselves. So when you hear about grace, you say, yeah, I've heard it. No, it. I know it. But really, we don't understand See, if you start to get bored with me talking about grace and you don't understand why Christ had to die, he died because you sinned and I sinned. So you don't understand the sacrifice that was made for you. You don't understand what you ultimately deserve, which is death, but we don't get what we deserve. If you understand the gospel and understand that God helps those who can't help themselves, then the idea of grace should not cause you to want to get up and do something else. It should cause you to get on your knees and surrender. Because it's amazing that someone loved us so much, sinful people, that our Creator loved us so much, that He sent His Son for the chance that you'll turn back to Him. That even though most of us live our lives complete opposite of who He is, and we can't help ourselves but to keep living for ourselves that God still loved you, God helps those who can't help themselves. This means that we cannot do enough. We cannot help enough. We do what we can. We help where we can, but ultimately, we admit when we can't. God helps those who can't help themselves. That means God helps